Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. The Nets making a potential blockbuster tomorrow when around James Harden. Can I ask Key what you and I were just talking about, Max? My position at all. So, so Key, I, I'm over here talking to Max. I'm like, look, man, if if you're Katie, if you're Sean Marks, are are you? You're legitimately thinking to a degree. Do I trade Kyrie? Do I trade Kyrie? Right? There's been so much talk around James Harden, and I, I get that. But and look, somebody somebody could say, well, Jay, you're probably thinking only short term here. But I'm am I because. I don't know what next year is going to be with these mandates in the city of New York. Could we be going through the same thing next year? Right? Like, so would I just be by my, would it be me and Ben Simmons next year if I allow this deal to go through with James Harden? Oh. Like, and it, like so how, what am I going to do with that? Like, we're not going to win the East with that. But if uh, it's. You'd be competitive. <laughs> dude, Milwaukee's a better team. Yeah. Miami's a dudes. better team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philly would then become a better team. Yeah. Yeah. If you do that deal, like you're you're below all those sure. teams, so but, so Jay, if so, you said, would you trade Kyrie instead of James Harden? You keep James Harden. You say, hey, look, maybe maybe I want a Ben Simmons but for Kyrie. Want, but does Philly want your? I don't know. What? But what, I'm, that, I'm starting to look around, saying, are there other places we can go with Kyrie to see what the market would dictate we can get back for Kyrie? If I know. If I have conversation between KD and James that says, hey, look, if we make this move, that would this help with somebody like you, James, to sign here long term? Because if you have James Harden and KD long term, you're going to so kill essentially, the game. So essentially what you're saying then is to try to come to some sort of compromise with James Harden to keep him and make him happy considering people think he's unhappy and say, okay, here's what we're going to do in a compromise. We're going to move Kyrie Irving so I can keep you and KD because we feel like you are the two most important for us given the fact that Kyrie's situation with vaccination and only being able to play on the road. But now you got to find a trade partner in a city in which he could actually play for that team and do that team that you trade for, have the assets in return, or on top of that, do they want to take on – what you don't want anymore, uh, which another is one. the issues. Here's another one. Unlike the NFL, you do get three-team trades in yes, the NBA. Damian Lillard is trapped in Portland right now, and you know he's never going to be the one to be like, I want out, right? But if he's traded. Meantime, Kyrie Irving and Lillard kind of came in together. Kyrie's a little younger. The question was early on, who'd rather have, Lillard or Kyrie? And for a while it was... Well, Kyrie's better, but you'd rather have Damian Lillard. Lillard is a leader. Lillard's always there. Lillard's clutch, all those things. But now, because Lillard's been banged up and is not having a great year, and Kyrie, when he's on the court, is balling. I don't know what people would say about that. Meantime, Harden, Lillard, and Kyrie, or sorry, Simmons, Lillard, and Kyrie, it, may, it could work in, one, in, a, in a variety of ways.
And Wait, you said in Portland? Well, if, said, let's say Portland you, you winds up with Simmons. Portland as a, a third team. Like, like if Kyrie's like, I, yeah, if Kyrie's like, I don't want to play in, in Portland, but Simmons oh, winds up in Portland. Kyrie yeah. winds up in Philly where he can play, right, every night. And Lillard winds up in Brooklyn. Like, Never, there's all kinds of stuff that can happen. Now, Key, if you, if you said before, hey, uh, we're going to uh, take the two the better players. Clearly, the money's all match. Yep. You, you said before, hey, you know, we're going to take the two better players in Harden and, and KD. Like, I'm not saying that I think those are the two players in the perfect world I would like to have. I mean, in a perfect world where everybody was playing and I knew what was gonna, I was going to get, I'm going with Kyrie and KD. Like, I, that's me personally. But – not so knowing you how know, this you situ- don't really know what you're gonna get out of James. Well, I, I'm just saying I like I would if you're asking me which one I would prefer I would take KD, KD and, and Kyrie. Kyrie were wiping the floor with the bucks for me. That's before, what I would take, but, but without Harden. But yeah. I'm speaking in this reality of where we're living today. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the next year and a half is going to be like. Am I gonna have Kyrie for a full season? Mm. I and mean, if I do make that deal, like would would it would it be Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant on the court? Like, that's not enough in the Eastern Conference. And KD coming off two injuries now, right, working his way through that Achilles injury. Like, how much longer of a window do I have with KD? I have to maximize that. There's a so lot. You figure, you figure, Jay. Man. I'm thinking about it, Key. That's where I'm going. But I'm starting to really think about it. Like, does that make sense well, to let, do? Let's, let, let's get back to, like, look, there's a lot, right? Because you're right. It, why not trade Kyrie? Everyone's talking about James Harden. I brought up Damian Lillard. But – Here's what Joel Embiid said following yesterday's 114-109 loss to the Suns, okay? This is a quote. Whoever wants to play is welcome. If someone wants to play, they're welcome. But we've got guys here that want to be here, that show up every single night. We all got the same goal. We want to win. Now, Brian Windhorst will give us the latest on Harden to the Sixers in 30 minutes. But here's what Windy had to say yesterday on NBA Today on the matter. No matter what you hear from the Nets, from the Sixers, from anybody else, the game is on. Mm. This negotiation is taking place. It may be a non-traditional negotiation. It may be back channels. It may be intermediaries. The Sixers and Nets are communicating with each other. I mean, look, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, especially coming off the fact that they've lost nine in a row. Okay, neither none of these guys played last night, but like just still the visuals of guys being on the sideline, understanding what this team could be. James Harden not being happy, the relationship that James Harden has with Michael Rubin, the founder of Fanatics, part owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, the relationship that he does have with Daryl Morey. I'm just going back to this conversation, Key. Once again, if you're Sean Marks, you're thinking. In the best long-term interest of my Nets team with KD, does it make sense to try to mend and make KD and James Harden work because you are unsure of the stability that comes along with Kyrie, just surely from a pandemic perspective, right? And, and what the next year and a half will look like if Kyrie can only play road games, guys. It's, legit, it's a legit thing. But you now got to go again. You got to go to James and you got to go to KD to have yes. that conversation. Yes, you do. And then can you get, and I know Kyrie is, is, is a talent and all that, but can you get somebody in, a, in the NBA willing to take on what you didn't want to take on anymore? Or it's a, because you say a year, year and a half, whatever the case may be, 
uh, as this thing continues to to try and, you know, as it evolves the pandemic, as we try to get out of it, do I want to take that on if I'm a team? Because I'm faced with some of the same things that you face with when he goes on the road in certain cities, things of that nature. So you still have that problem. It ain't just as easy as I don't want you anymore. Goodbye. We're going to trade you. You still got two to tangle. You yeah. know, I, I, I think of Kyrie guys. Kyrie's got to look in the mirror at a certain point and be like, because I'm thinking of him and Harden. I brought this up yesterday. Kyrie got more fast twitchies than Harden. Mm-hmm. Kyrie's actually a better shooter than Harden from every level, really. Like, he, if, if, like percentage-wise, he's a better shooter. He, his layup package is unprecedented maybe in the history of basketball. Like, he's better and he checks every box at a higher level, but Harden's a better player. So, like, that's about the wisdom, when to deploy the skills, right? And Kyrie, this extends beyond just the court. Kyrie's got to ask himself at a certain point, why are we even having the conversation? Key brought up, it's true. Does another team want to take this on? Who wouldn't want to take on arguably the most skillful player who ever lived? But he's in the, he finds himself in that position. I would have to ask you that, Jay, because you know more about basketball than I could ever, you know. Just, well, the hard thing would just be between all this, Key, is that brotherhood that exists between KD and Kyrie and how that dynamic works out, if KD will be willing to do that. But that's also that, – that puts Sean Marks and Josiah in a bind. Because at the end of the day, they may think they want to do the right move for the organization, but that may not be the right move that KD wants for the organization. There goes the challenge. Man, it's it's a soap opera over mm-hmm. there for sure. Oh, I just want to see these three dudes play together. Get it just together. Just be healthy. Let me just see it. Let me put my eyeballs on it. Keyshawn J. Well and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. We got a Super Bowl champion ready to go. People say, what do you want to do after football? And I'm like, what do you mean after football? There's nothing after football. This is what, you know, I was born to do, and this is what I enjoy doing more than anything else. Brady in the gun. Blitz is on. Throws to the near left side. Pylon! And a two-hit kiss for a go-ahead Patriots touchdown! The greatest and most accomplished quarterback to play the game of football. Rob Mayo with us right now. There he is. Um, Rob, we're going we're gonna to get to why you're joining us. But what was your reaction to Tom Brady retiring last week? Um, you know, there's nothing left for that guy to do. You know, he's done it all. He's done it all. Um, he's won Super Bowls. He's won, you know, he's been a pro bowler, an all pro. He's done it for a long time. And I would say, you know, I look at a guy like Tom, the same way how I looked at Kobe is a guy who, you know, he's ready for a new challenge. And that new challenge, as we all see, is going to be business. And I'm excited to see the next chapter. So it's, it's interesting. He said never, ever would he return. <laughs> but then he started kind of dancing with it uh, to a degree. Like, well, you know, never say never. And you, you, you never really know. Do you think we'll ever see Tom Brady again? You know, one thing I'll tell you about Tom, like this guy's going to stay in shape. He's going to continue to throw. He's going to continue to work out. You know, he has his TB12 method. He'll he'll continue to be pliable. So he'll be ready to go. But, you know, with all that being said, I can't see Tom coming back. Look, he, he's an old man at this point. 
you know, anytime you play 22 seasons, I mean, it takes a lot of toll on your body. I know he's playing the quarterback position, but at the same time, it's a lot of toll on your body. Uh, I don't see him coming back. Gerard, he was an old man that actually finished, like, top two in the MVP. That's why he fell off the cliff, just like I said. He played too long and fell. Oh, he never did. He actually never did. Um, Gerard, your name. Yeah, yeah, he never never fell off the cliff. But I I would say, like, mentally it's draining. And you guys that play sports know, like, you go into a locker room and you go into that room every single day, that routine – for 22 straight years, that takes a toll on you mentally as well. I know we talk a lot about things physically, but also mentally going through that. I mean, it's tough. It's tough on the mind. Wait till he gets through with home life. He'll be running back to the NFL. If he thinks <laughs> the NFL's a, but meantime, meantime, he said he might not be done. I, I want to get to I want to get to you and your name, which came up for multiple head coaching jobs recently. What was the interview process like for you? Yeah, I mean, the interview process for me, it, it was good. It was good, you know. Um, really, you know, just being able to go in front of other teams and see how they how they handle business. And, and also, it was prep for me. You know, when I went into these interviews, did I think I had a chance to get the job? I mean, uh, probably 50-50. Uh, but at the end of the day, I looked at it as uh, me sharpening my sword by going out to these places. I don't know. How I don't know if to call you Gerard or Coach or or, or what you know <laughs> you I'm call not, me, call me Gerard. I, I'm stuck no no Gerard so when you look at the situation in the National Football League with only two black head coaches just recently Lovey Smith and clearly we know Mike Tomlin 15 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers when you look at that as a black man what goes through your mind and in your heart Yeah, it's, it's very disappointing it's very disappointing and. You know, what B-Flow has done, you know, he's, he's definitely uh, brought the attention uh, to the problem. But, you know, I think I think the attention was already there. And everyone has these plans, you know, whether it's the Rooney Rule or, or things like that. But at the end of the day, it's about the key decision makers uh, in the process. But it's definitely disappointing to see that, especially when 70% of the league is black. Um, and I know a, a lot of black coaches, or I should say minority coaches, that are talented enough uh, to get the job done. Now, one thing I would say, I tell these guys all the time is, you know, the head coach role, the coordinator role, and the position coach role are, are exclusive. They're different, right? Totally different. And as a as a head coach, you're really not looking for, I know everyone's looking for the guru of, you know, the X's and O's, the next hot shot to fall off of whatever given tree that can call plays. But that doesn't make that person a leader of men. And I, I would say I know a lot of people, uh, people of color, who are leaders of men that I would follow into a dogfight at any time. And I know players would would also do that. So I think just from an overall perspective, like what are they looking for? That's the question you want the people at the top of the funnel really asking. And when you look at the funnel, like the bottom of the funnel, they have the minority coaching cycle and those, you know, these guys come in, uh, they do a lot of grunt work and, you know, with a chance to move up into a positional coach. But as soon as they get into a positional coach, you know, become a, a positional coach, it's like, what's the next step? That's almost like the the ceiling for those guys that come in, and that's the bottom of the funnel. The top of the funnel is more, you know, it's ownership. We don't have a minority owner in the NFL. I mean, it is what it is. And uh, hopefully here in the next few years we can get that. But these franchises don't go on sale every year. But Yeah. Do you, do you think it's your duty when you become a head coach to make sure that you employ – people and give people an opportunity that look like you absolutely absolutely and look and that's what and that's what's happening now when you look at 
you know, most of the coaches uh, in the league are, are white men and they're going to hire people that look like them. I worked in corporate America, you know, for three years uh, for Optum United Health Group. I worked, I worked there for three years. The same thing happens in other industries is what I'm trying to say is where people hire people that look like them, that sound like them. But at the end of the day, diversity and when i say diversity is important i'm not only talking about diversity of of color i'm talking about diversity of thought i'm talking about generational diversity i'm talking about a bunch of different things but you don't ever want to be in an echo chamber like don't don't put me around people who are going to agree with everything i have to say uh but but you know what happens is these coaches hire people that they went to high school with that they went to college with which i understand i understand but at the same time we need to have that diversity going forward Gerard, you, you mentioned something early that I want to go back to for a second. There's, there was for years and decades this stereotype about and, and lies you know, about black men can't lead, right? So no quarterbacks, no head coaches, right, where the camera always is, where people really perceive those are the main characters. Now there are a bunch of black quarterbacks. Obviously that wasn't true. And there were more black coaches in the past than there are today. But it seems to me now that that myth's been exploded, when you talk about, hey, you have to be able to lead a group of men, people are like, yes, yes, that can, no, the black coaches can do that. Now it seems to me the unspoken kind of undercurrent that is working against black coaches is what you said about the play calling. It has to be a dynamic, you know, young, hot shot play caller. And the unspoken kind of um, uh, uh, stereotype, I suppose, is that that's going to the young white coordinators because when we get a black offensive coordinator even who their head coach says he's calling the plays like in the enemy's case somehow they're not getting the jobs so so it's almost like when you say yes but you have to be able to lead men people have already signed off on that okay fine that can be done but can they be innovative offensive kind of minds what do you say about that idea i mean look Black, there are black coaches, and, and look, let's use Bienemy as an example. I'm sure he has a lot of input into that offense. But if you were to look, I mean, watch a game and listen to it, that's why I listen to the games on mute sometimes because I just don't want to hear it. You know, they try to downplay it. It's always the head coach. But at the same time, it, you're crazy if you don't think Bienemy's in there in the game plan meetings. You're crazy if you think Gerard Mayo is not in there in the game plan meetings. Like, it, it doesn't, like, those guys, even if you don't call plays, there are guys that play an integral part in game planning and, and scheduling and getting the guys motivated. But going back to what I was talking about earlier, like, I don't care what the X's and O's say. Like, everyone, like, fundamentally, everyone has fundamentally sound, for the most part, mm-hmm. offenses and defenses, right? Like, they can, they can handle anything. But at the end of the day, it's the players on the field that have to have the tools and have to have the knowledge and have to have the conceptual understanding to go out there and execute. And if you can't, I know a lot of smart people. Like, we could bring Bob Langer in here, you know, MIT professor, and he could speak way over our head. But real genius is being able to take a complex idea and simplify it, right? Because when you think about a football team, I mean, you got 100 guys. Let's just talk about training camp. You got 100 guys in there, and everyone doesn't learn the same. And so how you relate to these players is more important than you drawing up a bunch of circles on the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. That that seems pretty clear, right? Like you don't know about it, even, even as a Giants fan. Oh, you got, you know, Dable. That's great. But now let's see if he can lead a locker room and and do all the and do all the most important stuff that a head coach does. Um, Look, this is this is a relationship business. 
That's what it is. Like, Key, Key you know, this is a yeah. relationship business. And players will run through a brick wall if you can gain the heart, mind, and soul, and that player thinks you care about them. But yes. if that player doesn't think the coach cares about him, and you guys know that as well, you know, in, in basketball, Jay, like you know that as well. If if you don't feel like your coach cares about you as a person, as a man, and as, you know, and, and they don't think that you can develop them in, in multiple aspects of their lives, they're not rolling with you. They're not mm-hmm. rocking with you, mm-hmm. right? And so they'll go out there. They'll do everything you put on that piece of paper, but they won't do it at a high level. And so now that that's what becomes the problem. And that's why you see these coaches that burn out after one or two years, right? Because they were, they were the next guru, but they burn out because they don't know how to address people. They don't know how to develop people and they don't know how to develop a team. So I would say from my perspective, look, I, I led in, you know, in football as a player and lead as a coach also went to corporate America. So my, my sword's a little different than a lot of other people's, you know? And so, so I, I, uh, you know, when you talk about diversity, I've been in those rooms where, it's all 70-year-old white men with no women, no people of color, and just me, right? And, you know, I dealt with that imposter syndrome as well because it's like, how did I get into this room? But at the end of the day, you have to lean into that, you know, being uncomfortable. You have to lean into that and really offer your perspective and you could drop some nuggets on these guys and hopefully along the way pull some guys with you. That's right. You're mm-hmm. speaking the gospel, man. You're speaking the gospel. No, I appreciate now, it. Tell us why you're joining us today, though, man. Yeah, man, look, as a, as a longtime Hellman's fan and, a, and really a fellow Mayo, I've been working on this deal with Hellman's Mayo for a long time. I'm talking about even as a player. Uh, I, I, tack, you know, I, I partner with them and we're tackling food waste. Uh, very, very important topic. When you really think about it, you know, um, I learned a lot through this process. Forty percent of the food that we that we consume, we waste. And when you talk about 40 percent of the food being wasted, 40 percent of that food is in our household. And so I partnered with Hellman's to really try to tackle that problem. I have a great commercial coming up this Sunday. I hope you guys like it. Uh, but it's a pretty funny it's a pretty funny spin on Terry Tate. You remember the office linebacker uh, just tackling people that are wasting food. So a bunch of different um, a bunch of different people getting tackled, but definitely a good time. And really trying to clear up the confusion around you know the best buy date the sell by date and all that stuff because i know here in my family at least you know my wife she sees sell by and if it's past that date she's throwing it away even though the food's still good and so look we have another we have another segment coming up as well where we're going to show people how to use some of those leftovers and you think about super bowl sunday that is a time where there's going to be a lot of leftover food and hellman's has a bunch of recipes and things like that to help you guys put that food to, to work you're gonna have to you're gonna have, certainly have to show me because when the, I go in the refrigerator when I come home and it says use by or something like that, first thing I'm doing is I'm throwing wow. out, man. Exactly. I'm like Yeah. <laughs> and, and so Helmets actually is even taking this into, you know, into a legislative world into the legislative world as well to standardize that. Right. So it doesn't have to say pay by or I'm sorry, use by or like everyone's gonna be the same. It'll all be used by or it'll all be sale by just so there isn't the confusion around that food waste. Mm. Rob Mayo, ladies and gentlemen, I know one day I hope to be a 70-year-old white man, and if I look around and I only see other 70-year-old white men in the room with me, I know something's not right. It's not a world I'd want to live in. <laughs> All right. I, we appreciate you jumping on with us this morning, Coach. Uh, thanks, guys, for having me. Huge fan of the show. Appreciate it. Appreciate right, it. Cool. The NBA trade deadline is tomorrow, so who's going to stay and who's going to go? That's next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and ESPN News. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. 
Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. They're not good. They're not good enough. I don't, I don't understand why sometimes we can't just admit when a team isn't good enough. Yeah, it tells us we ain't, we ain't on their level. I mean, I, I have told you that before the game, so. Do you think you can reach that level? Where they are right now? Um, I don't know. And you act surprised you're not as good as you would hope to be? It defies logic to me. Brian Windhorst joins us now on Keyshawn J. Will and Max. Morning, Wendy. Good morning. What's up, Wendy? There he is. We're going to play a little stay or go here for the NBA trade deadline, just tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. All right, Wendy, you ready? Of course. Let's do Why it. Why wouldn't I be? I want to, I want to get it over with. Stay or go? Should he stay or should he go? Russell Westbrook, Brian Windhorst. Where is he going? I mean, stay or go implies there's an option. There's not an option here. You know, their only trade that even anybody could envision out there would be to trade him for John Wall. Mm -hmm. The only way that they're a guy who I just want to point out hasn't played in like nine months. The only way the Rockets would do that deal would probably be if the Lakers gave them their 2027 first-round pick, which, if that happened, I would have to say maybe would be the most incredible uh, trade arbitrage in NBA history because the Rockets would have gotten a first-round pick when they traded Russell Westbrook for John Wall and then would have gotten another one when they traded John Wall for Russell Westbrook. Um, You know, that's GM Hall of Fame stuff right there, which is why it's preposterous. There's... Mm. You know, the reason that this is a catastrophic trade is because the Lakers can't get out of it. You know, teams make bad trades. LeBron has suggested bad trades to his front office over the years. But, you know, you can get out of it. Because of where the Lakers are, they can't get out of this one. And that's why it's so, uh, so penal. Yeah, the, their only tradable assets are people like Taylor Horton Tucker. And even that, that contract makes it difficult, Wendy. I, with Russell Westbrook, they're, they're stuck. This is where it is, it feels like. Stuck. Stay or go, Damian Lillard. Wendy? I mean, he's not going anywhere. The the, the stay or go question is this summer when Lillard has an option to sign a $100 million extension. And if he doesn't get offered or he doesn't sign it, he's going to go. Maybe not in that instant, but pretty soon after that. 
And so the, the Blazers have begun a rebuild. They cleared $31 million off of their books for next year in the last five days. And so the question is, what are they going to do with that? And Jeremy Grant is the guy that they want. Dame Lillard really wants to play with Jeremy Grant, I'm told. They played with each other in Team USA in the Olympics last year. But Detroit isn't really moved at this moment by what Portland has to offer. One of the most important things for Dame Lillard, as weird as this sounds, is where does the New Orleans Pelicans draft pick that they just traded for yesterday fall? They get it if it falls between 5 and, I think, 13 or 14. If that pick ends up in that range, in other words, it ends up as a lottery pick, that's a real nice asset for the Blazers to trade. But we're not going to know that for a while. Yeah, Wendy, he's going to stay. But I got to tell you, as a former player, I'm praying that he goes somewhere else in time. I just And I know that they're going to retool and, and try to you know revamp this team. But even like even hearing Jeremy Grant, I'm like, is, is that enough in the Western Conference to understand how Phoenix, how Phoenix is, how Golden State is, uh, how teams on the upswing are? I, I don't think so. I just I, I want to see Dame actually be in a contender conversation, frankly. Yeah, he should he should go. Getting long in the tooth. He's not young anymore. Go to a contending type team somewhere in the East, possibly. Maybe there's a move that somehow sends him to the Nets. Uh, maybe there's a move that somehow sends him to Philadelphia. But certainly get on a championship contending team because staying out west and trying to do things in Portland just isn't there. James Harden stay or go, Wendy? Huh. I think he's going to go. And if he doesn't go this week, he'll be going this summer. Uh, the two sides are working on it. It's a complex trade, but I think James Harden is basically wearing a trade-me sign around his neck and has been for a couple of weeks, and I don't think the Nets can, can ignore that, and I think he'll eventually get what he wants, just like a year ago. Wendy, take me through it. What the hell just went wrong? What went wrong? He, I don't think, he didn't, last year, he and Kyrie Irving were willing to mesh and play with each other. They had a lot of success. This year, that's no longer the case, and that relationship has fallen apart, mm. and his play has, has shown it. Mm. Yeah, he needs, to, he needs to go whether it's now before the trade deadline or in the offseason. Try to tell everybody when Kyrie said, hey, yeah, you know, James and I have talked a few times. I'm like, a, a few times? Like, that's your teammate. That's, that's supposed to be one of the most innovative backcourts in the NBA. A few times? That was very telling of what Wendy just gave us information He's about. wonder if D'Antoni's leaving had a bigger impact than, than his – being like discussed uh stay or go Kyrie Irving while we're on the subject Wendy I mean again where would he go um he has an opt-out after his contract or after the season which means that if he went to a place that he didn't want to stay he could just opt out and go which makes it impossible for the Nets to get value and more importantly than all that analysis he and Durant are still connected together he and Durant are a strong uh you know coupling and Harden is on the outs with that group right now, and that's why Kyrie's not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if the vaccine mandate, which I, I, don't, I don't know if I see New York City lifting that. You could be talking about the Nets being in the same predicament next year. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think for me he stays uh, regardless of the situation, much like Wendy says, because of the KD relationship, bringing KD to Brooklyn, and all of a sudden you're bolting away from the situation the front office would have to answer to that to KD, and I don't think they want to do that. All right. Finally, stay or go. Ben Simmons, Wendy. Man, the, 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 that he needs to go for, for a dozen different reasons. 
The Sixers last night, Embiid played another spectacular game. They played a team in the Suns who's just flat out better than them. They cannot beat the Suns. The Suns would probably beat them in a series in five games. And they would never get to the Suns because they could never get to, you know, win enough series to get there. The only way this happens this year is if they make this deal, probably with Brooklyn, but somewhere. Otherwise, this is going to be a wasted season. And no matter what anybody says, everybody knows it. Yeah, I'm ready for Ben Simmons to go. I mean, this whole drama has gone on for a while. I know Daryl Morey's holding his cards in order to get the right asset piece in exchange, probably James Harden. But it's just like the drama surrounding this team. I want to see Joel Embiid be able to capitalize an MVP-type season by having a deep run into the playoffs. And I'm all for the players. If it's not working out in Philadelphia, then let it go work out somewhere else. And clearly, Ben Simmons' days are completely gone in Philly, get rid of the distraction, get what you can, stop trying to be a hard hit, and just move on from it. Ben Simmons got to go ahead and shoot the ball, right? Like, this is psychotic the way he doesn't shoot the ball, and that's really the whole problem here. He refuses to shoot the ball. So it's like, uh, what what can they do? And he has no one to blame but himself. He and Embiid, with size and skill, should be and talent should be the greatest combination since Kareem and Magic at those two positions. And it ain't because Ben Simmons – refuses to shoot. Wendy, what else do we need to know heading into the trade deadline? Well, I really think that everything really surrounds this, this Brooklyn-Philly situation. Um, you know, there, I, there are some other things happening in the league right now. I do think we're going to see a dozen or so moves. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see anything as impactful as we saw yesterday with Sabonis uh, going for Halliburton. Um, really, uh, Philly is making other calls in other trade scenarios, you know, they're calling teams about Tobias Harris. They're calling teams about opening up trade space. So it's possible if this Harden deal actually happens that it could create a series of other deals elsewhere. Um, it's possible if the Nets get James Harden, maybe they like one of the offers. I'm sorry, if the Nets get Ben Simmons, maybe they like some of the offers that, that uh, Philly has been turning down for the last six months, and maybe they could reroute him. Or... Maybe because this negotiation is so com- complicated and, and, and so fragile that it goes up until 3 o'clock tomorrow. Um, so really everything sort of emanates around that. And considering these two teams are going to compete in the Eastern Conference this year and for the short-term foreseeable future, the reason this may take so much time is because there's so, the stakes are so high and there's so much on the line here. Thanks, mm. Wendy. And I'm going to bug you about watching Windy City Heat every time I – See you until you actually watch Windy City Heat, which is the funniest. Ask movie me ever again made. on on your show this afternoon and see what I say. I will. I will. <laughs> for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. 
Russell Wilson, in my opinion, and this just is my opinion, was a product of Pete Carroll and that defense. You realize we were once in a generation type talent, and you should have kept it and appreciated when you had it. The moment that they took that defense away from him and allowed it to be Cook Russ. And people were like, let Russell, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. You did not win a Super Bowl letting Russ cook. You have not, you have not, you have not been anywhere close to a Super Bowl. We have to stop including Russell Wilson in these talks that if Russell Wilson goes here, does this team win a Super Bowl? We got into this earlier in the show, Keyshawn, J. Will and Max. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. There's a lot of teams to get through playing this game coming up with Russell Wilson, so we got to go pretty quick. The question is, does Russell Wilson on the following teams make them better, worse, or the same? Right? Let's put this Russell Wilson slander to the test right now. It's <laughs> Max third the pot. That's right. Germs spreading. Evan, he take it away. It. All right, let's go keep Titans better, worse, the same with Russell Wilson. I think they're slightly better. I think they're a little bit better, not much, but I think they're better. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that. Better. But they don't, how much lot. better do they have to be? They're really good. There's, I think there's a big difference between Russell Wilson and Ryan Tannehill. Did you yeah, see what but, happened their last game when Ryan Tannehill threw three picks? I mean, and I understand people are going to say, well, Russell's cooking and he didn't have a great year coming off his hand injury, all the things he had. You give Russell Wilson that running back, Derrick Henry, you give him those wideouts, come on, man. Yeah, I, I totally agree yeah, with Jay. I true. think they become Super Bowl favorites, among yes. the Super Bowl favorites. Yeah. No, they, they, they'll be a better football team, but this is the recipe for Russell Wilson, which makes them be- slightly better. It all boils down to Mike to Vrabel making the decisions that he made in that Cincinnati game, going for it on certain downs, late in the game, creating situations where Brian Tannehill could not succeed. Yeah, one for one. We all agree the Titans get better with Russell Wilson. The only question is how much better. They're already damn good, so even a little better is significant. I'm Go ahead, Evan. Stop all yeah, this he's Russell pro- Wilson slander. Yeah, he's probably not going there because of they're in the same division, but the 49ers, better or worse the same with Russell Wilson, Key? Again, Slightly better. It's not significantly better. Slightly better. Jimmy Garoppolo led this team to the NFC Championship game as well as part of it. They didn't necessarily get there on his back, but they were there. And in the end, I think Russell Wilson can make that one or two throws that may get you over the top, but the formula for success is sitting there with Kyle Shanahan. Play defense, run the football. That is the way you win. Whatever the context is, they're better. Yeah, they're better. And by the way, that's right. They're a little better. And a little better for the 49ers. Maybe the Super Bowl, just like with the Titans. So he's two for two, makes both teams better. And Tannehill and Garoppolo are no slouches. Who's next, Evan? About the Patriots, because you got to give something up to get them. Maybe you give the Seahawks their franchise quarterback and Mac Jones. Are the Patriots better or worse the same with Russell Wilson? I think they're the same with Russell Wilson because of the style of philosophy. Remember, Josh McDaniels is no longer there. He's in Las Vegas getting ready to coach the Raiders. One of the things that they have is a solid run game, one of the best in the National Football League, a nice defense. I think they were number two in the National Football League in total defense. That is a recipe for success, but I think based on where they are in the division that they're in, they're the same. Jay. You're telling me the second highest career passer rating in NFL history combined with the greatest coach in NFL history. They would be better. Yeah, they would be better. 
Are you, that sharpening of that knife with Bill Belichick? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my god. I'm with Jay. They would be better. Even if you think, well, would they be better than the Bills? They'd be better than they are now. And I would love to see Russell Wilson with a coach like Bill Belichick. Uh, if sometimes it's, he's got to get rid of the ball faster, let him be with Belichick and yes. see what happens. I, I think they're three for three. All right, here's the test. Key, Browns, better, worse, the same. Russell Wilson. <clears throat> better. Significantly better. There's no question about it because – what you do is you bring a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield into the locker room. Here's the problem, though. I mentioned locker room, okay? Russell Wilson was not a favorite in the Seattle Seahawks locker room when they went on those magical runs to the Super Bowl. Will that now move from Seattle to Cleveland if you put him in Cleveland? Locker room or not, better. Max? Obviously, the Browns would get better with Russell Wilson. And by the way, I've seen much worse quarterbacks than Baker Mayfield. I think this goes to show you, Russell Wilson. This game, this game is a waste of time, Evan. Right, he makes everyone better that next we're talking team. about so far, I next, think. Next team, Evan. I don't think it's a waste of time. Keys told me teams that are slightly better, maybe a little bit better. How about the Saints? He was on there. There's no trade because Sean Payton was there. Now it's Dennis Allen. They do have Jameis Winston. Better, worse, the same. The Saints with Russell Wilson. Better. It's a better – he's better than Jameis Wilson and Taysom Hill. And uh, who was the third guy? They All the quarterbacks. He's better. Better. Trevor Simeon. <laughs> Trevor Simeon. Yeah, Ian he's Book. better. Who's it? Osweiler or someone? Yeah. Was right. Ian Trevor Book Simeon, there, too? Goodness. I mean, Ian it was like Book, all yes, those guys. Ian Book. You're right. Uh, it's better. I mean, look, I know he's no longer there now, but you're telling me I would have saw Russell Wilson last year with Sean Payton? He'd make what? the Saints better. Let me go on. He'd make the Dolphins better. Uh, He'd on, make the Giants more. better. Who else? Who else you got, Evan? The Seahawks. Are they better, worse, or the same with Russell Wilson? I think worse. they're the same. I think they're the same football team with Russell Wilson as they were this year. Oh, a healthy team? Russell Wilson, one that doesn't have oh, a hand Oh, I thought you meant you'd take him off the team. Wait, are you – yeah, what are you – what do you? What, is he on the team or off the team? Is he on or off? I don't know. But anyway, the I think worst. the Vikings are better. I think Russell Wilson makes all those teams that don't have a great quarterback better. This conversation is ludicrous. He makes every team I better. Think, I don't think so. I think it's right on point. Some was better. And Who some was were worse? slightly Who was better. Worse? And Who some was were worse? slightly was better. Worse. Some were much better. Some were slightly better. Much more on KJM. Coming God, right up. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.